Today on The Ticker Tapes, we talk to Sam, who tragically lost her 22-year-old son Toby to sudden arrhythmic death syndrome when he was hoping for a career in the Royal Marines. There's nothing natural about a young, healthy person dropping dead. No. So people need to be shepherded into a kind of pathway where they can be tested, questions can be asked, and they can find out what on earth happened to their loved one. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Ruth Huntman. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, Sam talks to me about the devastating impact of her son's sudden death, her fight to find some answers, and how her commitment to raising awareness of sudden arrhythmic death syndrome, known as SADS, is Toby's legacy. Sam, thank you so much for joining me on the ticker tapes uh, today. Can you just briefly tell me a little about yourself and, and your family? Yes. Um, so my name's Sam. I'm 55 years old and I'm a television producer. And I have two sons, Toby and a mum to Toby and Johnny. Um, Toby is my eldest son and he passed away in the summer of 2019 when he was 22 and his younger brother, my youngest son, Johnny, is 21, and he's going to be 22 in May. And I'm married to Stuart, and I live in Kingston, upon Thames. Lovely, lovely part of the country. So yeah. c- can you tell me a little bit about Toby? You know, what was he like, and what were, what were his hopes and dreams for the future? What was he, what, what did he want to do in life? Yeah, um, so Toby, as I said, he was 22, and he was a very cool guy um he had a penchant for tattoos and riding motorbikes Mm -hmm. and at the time when he passed he was at a very kind of happy and you know excited stage of his life I think like a lot of kids a lot of people probably the majority as far as I've kind of observed rather than the minority he he didn't when he left he left school at 18 and he didn't have a kind of burning passion or 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 direction of where he wanted to to go in life having said that when he was younger he really enjoyed air training corps and um he did say to me when he was 18 that he wanted to join the army which was met with an emphatic absolutely not hmm. um and so uh he actually when he left school he Tobe was a brilliant skier and he went to japan and trained to be a ski instructor um, and did that he was away for almost a year so that was really exciting and he enjoyed that and then when he came back he got a job as a runner in a post-production facility and then he applied for a job at Sky and he was on a training program there which kind of led him into the television business that and he worked in that really successfully um, up until kind of the spring of 2019 when he decided that he wanted to leave television and he wanted to join the Marines. So he was somebody that all the while that he was working in television, he progressed very quickly and was highly regarded and could have been somebody that had a great career, but he just wasn't passionate about it. And this kind of theme of, I guess, the Army or the Air Training Corps, he was just very attracted to that. And and so my husband and I kind of were, you know, nervous and not, 
thrilled that he wanted to join the Marines. He wanted to do the Marine commando training. But we just thought, you know, he's 22. It's the first time he's really kind of thought, yes, this is what I want to do. Um, so we just thought, well, we'll, we'll support you in that and, and see where it leads. And we did think, you know, at the very least, he'll get super fit, meet some new friends, maybe travel the world and mm. we'll, face, we'll face the kind of, you know, kind of worries associated with that kind of lifestyle if and when it got to that stage. So at that point, he was, I, I, I guess, using this, this phrase, this, uh, living his best life. He was yeah. very fit, training very hard and and really looking um, forward to his future. And and just to clarify, he had no health worries or symptoms of feeling ill during the training, and, and there's no history of, of heart disease in your family, as far as you're aware? Not at all. I mean, on the, the, the week that he died, he actually was refraining from his running training because he had sustained an injury to his knee. So he was just continuing with the kind of you know press-ups and pull-ups and stuff he could do that wasn't um you know load-bearing on his knee um but no Toby and Johnny were and I hope Johnny still is you know incredibly (laughs) healthy children yeah um they went through their childhood with you know they they were never hospitalized Toby went to hospital once because he had to have something called trigger thumb released and then there was another time he fell off his bicycle and needed a couple of stitches. But they were just very robust kids. They were, you know, you you look around you when your kids are growing up and you feel grateful that your kid isn't the one with the the asthma or the psoriasis or the one that's off school ill the whole time. And I always just thought I'm so lucky, yeah. You know, to have two beautiful, healthy kids. It 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 is a it's amazing. Um, because, you know, I never took it for granted, but I always just felt so grateful. And so, you know, I was very diligent with things like braces and dentist appointments and opticians and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I had this kind of Teflon feeling about them and also thought, yes, they've got good teeth, good bones. They, they're good, they're, you yeah. know. And, 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 and so that's how we rolled. And they, they were absolutely fine. And so if I knew what I know now, and I'm sure we'll come to that, it yeah. would never have even dawned on me that when he started the training, the fitness training for um, the Marines to even think, oh, should he have a, 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 a kind of physical or a, a, a any kind of checkup? Because he's a, a, a normal, healthy, strong man at the peak of his physical kind of abilities. And, his, you know, so... Absolutely. Did, did he have a, a sort of um, a, a military medical at all or was that... No, No. and this is um, one of the things that is curious uh, because I did contact the Marines afterwards. I mean, it's one of those things, Ruth, that I've actually haven't pursued because through the aftermath and everything else, you're just kind of dealing with all sorts of things. And but it is in the back of my mind all the time. So I understand from the Marines that if Tobe had completed what he was doing, which is called an eight weeks pre-fitness assessment so so he had to do various kind of things to for the application which was a filling out various questionnaires about himself and a kind of I think it was like some kind of intelligence test and then a maths test and then he had to fill out a big long health questionnaire and then once they had kind of accepted all of that he had to go I think it was the day he was doing the intelligence test and they 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 then say right you've passed all of that we they then handed him this kind of booklet 
And it was this eight-week program to get himself into shape for the test. And if he passed that fitness test, he would then have been accepted into the commando training course, which was a 32-week intense, intense course down at Limpston. You know, the kind of thing where you hear on the news, people are yomping with like backpacks and suddenly a kid drops dead. I mean, I often think if Tobe hadn't, died at home when he had if he had got through that and he'd gone down to Limpston we would have got one of those calls because clearly Tobe is somebody that should not have been exercising at the level that he was which sorry long-winded way back to answer your question yeah my question is why don't they screen if the kids pass the intelligence test and the you know whatever they have to to be given this booklet to go and you know do all this very strenuous exercise for eight weeks. Surely that's the point that they should be doing some screenings of some sort. You know, um, it's a big unanswered that, question, isn't it? It's a big old question mark. Yes, and I yeah. think it is a question mark with lots of these institutions because, and again, as as I'm sure we'll come on to, and 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 we know that not everything can be picked up in a screen. Yeah. yeah. So for someone like Tobe. You know, he was always fit and active, but his chosen activities weren't cardio intensive. But um, the last time I spoke to Tobe was the evening before he died. And I had been talking to him in the daytime, but I just texted him saying, I'm just going over to Waitrose. Would you like me to get you anything? Because Toby and his brother live about 500 yards away from my husband and I. So they shared a flat together. And he said, no, he didn't want anything from Waitrose. And we just signed off and I said, I'd speak to him in the morning. And I went to work in the morning and then I did have a telephone conversation with, I think it was someone at the Marines where I got the piece of information that Toby was waiting for. So I telephoned him about 10 o'clock and he didn't reply. I telephoned him about an hour later, he didn't reply and I texted him. And then I had a lunch engagement. So I went out to my lunch engagement on the way back from lunch. I called him again and he didn't reply. Now, all of this, Ruth, is very strange. You know, he was in the habit at that stage. You know, I know kids can be, you know, flaky, but he was absolutely, you know, it was odd that he wasn't picking up these calls. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I I telephoned my husband who was working from home and I said to him, I'm going to leave the office early because I... um, I, I can't get in touch with Tobe and I have this, I've just got a strange feeling about it. So I'm going to pop into the flat on my way home. And um, and that's what I did. I pulled up outside the flat and it, Tobe and Johnny live in a, it's just a kind of four apartments in one building. And I let myself into and, and walked up the stairs to his apartment. And I opened up the sash window on the stairwell and stuck my head out the back because um, Tobe, as I said, rides a motorbike. And I wanted to see if he was in. And there the motorbike was with its cover on. And I thought, this is really odd. You know, it's now mid-afternoon. It's a sunny day. He's got the day off. Why is his bike here? And I walked upstairs. And as I put my key in the door, I suddenly had this terrible thought of, well, you know, he's got the day off. He's 22. Maybe he's, you know, entertaining. (laughs) And he doesn't want his, you know, mum barging in. But I walked (laughs) in and... There's a vestibule, a whole little hallway that goes off left to the kitchen and Johnny's room or straight ahead to Tobe's room. And and I just kind of, so almost as soon as I put the key in the door, I, I was aware that Tobe was lying on his bedroom floor um, next to his bed. 
And as I walked closer, he had a towel over his head. And and I, I couldn't work out what I was seeing. And I said, Toby, what's, what's wrong? But as I got close to him, I could see that there was this kind of colour on his soles of his feet that w- was red. And Ruth, I know this is hard for people to hear, but you're asking me what happened. I, yeah. He didn't move and I lifted up the towel and his lips were swollen and black and shiny. And I just like put the towel down and, well, I, I called my husband and I apparently I just screamed and I said, my my child is dead. So my, So two things, like I'm taking this in and cannot understand what I'm seeing and, yes but I know I've never seen a dead body in my life but I know 100% that my son is dead but my poor husband is just kind of listening to me screaming and he's running at the same time and I God only knows what's going through his head I'm sure he's thinking that can't be true but he must be thinking all sorts of other horrendous things you know, um, like he knew that I was going to go around there because I was worried. Anyway, I, you know, within within minutes, my husband was by my side, and I at that point was on the phone to 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 to, to you know nine nine nine, and and I'm sh- and obviously they're trained to ask questions, and I just remember her saying to me, you know, is the patient breathing? Can you? And I and I and I just remember Ruth thinking, you don't know me. And I know I'm sounding hysterical, but I do know what I'm looking at. And this person is dead. And um, the next thing I knew, Stuart was by my side and he took over the call. And I went into the living room and I, I, I just can't, I don't know. It's, it's the wrong way to say to you, it was like a nightmare. It wasn't, it was surreal. I didn't, it wasn't happening. I couldn't. You know, and I remember feeling really, really, really cold. And then I kept saying, Stuart, what's happening? What's happening? And and he, he said, the ambulance is coming. And I remember, I must have said it to him about 50 times, because afterwards I said to him, they took so long to come. And he said, sweetheart, they didn't. They were here very quickly. Well, they, obviously, by the time Stuart had finished with them, they realised that Toad was dead, because it wasn't an ambulance with flashing lights. It was a very nice lady on a bicycle a paramedic and she came upstairs and and then you know what happened was because Tobe was young and healthy and it's a sudden and unexpected death the paramedic lady wasn't able to move Tobe or do anything she had to call the police and so shortly afterwards two policemen came around and you know I'm thinking what on earth is is going on and you know, I'm in the living room at this point and the police are coming in and they are asking me what's happened and 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 they're looking around. And so the scene, Ruth, is, you know, Tobe, it appears that Tobe was on the floor because he had recently got out of the shower. When I say recently, I don't know right. how long he, but, but his pull-up bar was on the door frame and his workout clothes were scattered. And so it seems that he had been working out and that he had got in the shower because also in the living room, you know, he'd charged his Bluetooth for his motorbike headset. He'd had his porridge, everything. It was just like a normal scene. It looked like he was going about his day. And then what I've learned since from Professor Bear and others is that often if it does happen to people when they're exercising, it, it can 
sometimes when it's after exercise, when when your heartbeat is going back to its um, you know, natural rhythm, mm-hmm. that that's when the arrhythmia can can uh, take place. Um, and and I think we think that's what happened to Tove, that he oh. had been exercising, whether it was that morning or, you know. I, I won't know and I don't know to this day. I, sometimes I think, did Tobe exercise the night before and have a shower before bed? But it seems like it probably was in the morning. Um, and and that's what happened. I cannot, you know, begin to imagine what you've been through and are going through and what that must have been like. But at what point were you told that because it was obviously a cardiac arrest, very sudden. And it, when were you told that this was a case of, of SADS, which is sudden arrhythmic death, um, with, with no ex, ex, reasonable explanation? Is that right? Yes, yes. Well, what happened was after the you know police were there and they were satisfied that you know there were no suspicious circumstances, mm-hmm. I think the paramedic lady was 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 saying to my husband and I you know the indications from what we could it looks like it may have been his heart I can't remember if that's how she expressed it but we were definitely left with that feeling and you know by now Ruth it you know by by the time the private ambulance came and they did everything they had to do and they took Tobe away in this private ambulance they gave me some information and said that I would be contacted by the coroner in the morning. And and, and then, you, you know, I had to tell Johnny and Toby's father and all of that. Oh. But I just thank God that Johnny's was, was actually at his father's that day. He, he hadn't come back to the flat because he had gone up to see his father. And people have often said to me, oh, it's just so, you know, must be even, even worse that you found Tobe. And I'd say no. You know, the worst thing that would have happened is if my youngest son had come home and found his brother. And I also feel, as Tobe's mother, you know, I brought him here. I'm I'm grateful that I was the one that found him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you, you, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. I do. You've, um, you've beautifully put, I think, as any mother would, would completely agree with you. But, but in, I think what happened next is, well, firstly... What happened next was that I was I spoke to the coroner's office the next morning and I was so lucky because the woman that I dealt with and helped me all the way was like an angel. She was just the kindest, kindest woman. And again, you know, if this that this happened to Tobe, the fact that we were in the borough where Professor Mary Shepherd works and so and also one of my dearest friends has a um, a heart screening company so I was immediately able to start asking questions and try to understand what was going on but we were told quite soon that it looked like Pope had had you know a cardiac incident um, but then it all took a long time um, you know because obviously they had to do tissue samples and toxicology reports and I think in all it took about several weeks because there was also a problem with after Tobe's post-mortem, his heart had been not put in formaldehyde. I mean, you couldn't make it up. Wow. This poor coroner had to call me and tell me 
that Job's heart had been put aside. But because, do you remember, why would you remember? It was very, very hot. And apparently in unusually hot and busy periods, they do run out of formaldehyde. So I was then in this situation that some weeks later, I was told that we may never know what happened to Tobe because if Tobe's heart had deteriorated to a point that Mary Shepherd wouldn't be able to get any information, then we may never know. So this was a whole other layer of trauma. But thankfully, um, Mary was able to look at Tobe's heart and eventually, you know, we get the coroner's report where Tobe's death was, um, um, what's the word, documented as a, a, a sad's death. And then in that letter at the coroner's report, it's recommended that we then get referred to cry. And so can I just interrupt you? So, sorry, Sam, and you've mentioned Professor Mary Shepherd. Can you just explain who she is and, 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 and what cry is as well for, for people listening who don't know? Oh, so cardiac risk in the young cry is a charity i mean i I think ruth you probably will be able to explain to listeners um more specifically because i think you know cry exists in many ways to to do a lot of what bhf do which is to raise awareness raise money for research into you know heart related deaths and um particularly you know they they do a lot of work in this area of sudden arrhythmic death syndrome and they support bereaved families and they also raise money so that families like ours can go through a pathway with um, Professor Mary Shepherd and, and Professor Elijah Bear. So these are two of the leading experts in the country who deal with arrhythmias. And the most urgent kind of question was, well, what about Johnny? I called my my friend and, and I said, you know, Tobe's heart has gone to this woman called Professor Mary Shepherd, and what does that mean? And my friend said, oh, Sam, you're so lucky. I don't know her, but I have attended seminars and she is extraordinary and she is the leading person in this field and Tobe's heart couldn't be in, in better hands. Absolutely. Um, and we'll come on to Elijah Bear, who, who we fund as mm, well and who's doing very important mm, research and who I know you... You know, mm. um, he's mm. doing important research into SADS. But so the results of the genetic testing were that you, you, you're for you and Johnny, you, you don't have a pre-existing condition. No. So I was asked, um, and, and, and Elijah Bear, in the, in, the, in, the, in the session we did in November where he presented the new findings and the work he's doing with you guys on, on, on arrhythmias, Um, He talks about a molecular autopsy. And so I was asked if, you know, Tobe's DNA could be tested and and if mine could. Well, mine was later. So Tobe's DNA was tested. And from what I understand, this is the kind of future of finding out more about these things. And the bank of information is being built all the time. And information comes back from the genetic testing which would be able to tell us whether Tobe did have any you know genetic predisposition to an arrhythmia or or or, or, a, or another kind of coronary related disease it the information that came back with Tobe is that presently there isn't anything to suggest that he does there was something and I don't understand this properly that Elijah Bear said might be you know to do 
might be related, but at the moment it's not an arrhythmia. I know that I'm not explaining this properly, Ruth. No, you are. You're explaining because it's very complicated. And then, so what happened was, you know, Johnny and I went through all the tests. We we went to the point where we had the Ashmaline test. Yes. And and thankfully, you know, nothing was provoked in Johnny. But because Tobe had this molecular autopsy and something has um, come back, they then, Professor Bear and the team asked if I could do uh, a molecular, uh, you know, a, a DNA thing. So because of COVID, um, I haven't had the results yet. But at the moment, you know, the, the main, the most important thing that we know is that Johnny is okay. Yes. And I am okay. Yes. And it doesn't look like, you know, there is anything underlying in either of us uh, that, that could be um, dangerous. Which Which is difficult to process, I guess, as well, because it still doesn't answer, you know, why, the question why, why did it happen? Um, and, and that's something a lot of families like yours never get to know. But No, but I think the work that the British Heart Foundation is doing with Professor Bear yeah. funding his research, funding things like this very exciting development that you talked about in, the, in, in, in his session in November, one, one of the things that I found unbelievably, like a lifesaver really, was having this joined up experience with this wonderful woman at the coroner's office and Mary Shepherd and cry. It made, it, it, it took me and Johnny and my husband and our wider family from a place of what on earth is this? Yes. To understanding that this isn't some kind of random thing. This happens all the time to so many people. So one of the things that, you know, I feel very motivated to do is talk to you today uh, to raise awareness about this because as you know my business is television production and we made a film after Tobe died um, to try to shine a light on this because we to, to, to help other families understand that in that kind of age group it is not uncommon mm-hmm. um, and Mary Shepherd says something in the film which is, you know, every time I hear of a young, you know, someone falling off a building site or, you know, a really competent swimmer just like drowning randomly in a pool or, you know, I always think, oh, what was that? And, you know, you, you it is that thing, Ruth, that we, we've said before and you and I have talked about it, that, you know, as soon as we start to, to tell people that Tobe had died and then you try to explain what it is, which is really difficult because you don't really know yourself. But most people will say, oh, I knew someone. I yeah. knew someone who, you know, and and this kind of um, development, sorry, that, you know, Professor Bear is working on with, with, with you guys at the British Heart Foundation where there is a joined up postcode initiative that it's not random that every, I believe that every single person that's in a, in a situation like we found ourselves in should have access to a coroner that is linked to services and that where there is a pathway, you know, because you really do need that help. And I, I don't believe, you know, there's nothing natural about a young, healthy person dropping dead. No. So people need to be shepherded into a kind of pathway where they can be tested, questions can be asked, and they can find out, what on earth happened to their loved one and at the moment as you say it's a postcode lottery but that's something that professor bear who's funded by us currently is 
is working on with Mary Shepherd, um, which is f- it, absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, can I mean, you can, can you kind of? Ju- I mean, you've more or less said it, but you, and you had a fortune. I say fortunate because there was nothing fortunate at all about your circumstances. No, but, I had, but you know, if you wanted to kind of say a kind of textbook experience, apart from the accident in the in the post mortem with Tobe's heart, what it means is that when you when my son died and I didn't know what had happened, the coroner was connected to St. George's to cry, you know, the post-mortem letter. There was a there was a direct pathway from everything to do with Tobe's heart. So Tobe's heart, his bodily fluids, everything went to Mary Shepherd. From that point on, everything went to Elijah Bear. From that point on, my son and I were hooked into that system. So there are people that we worked with in our film whose loved ones died in exactly the same way, but lived in different parts of the country, and they were just left. Yeah, they didn't. They, yeah, and and they didn't know what had happened to their 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 loved one, and and so on top of that absolute kind of grief and shock and horror, you know we all want answers and one of the things about this particular death is that it's so confusing how can some die in their sleep how can some die after exercise how can it happen at five years old or 50 years old you know there are all all the work and the funding that you guys do around and cry particularly with their screening this i also come to understand is is very difficult to under, very difficult to get your head around because people could have a 12 lead ECG or an echo or, you know, different kind of tests. And it, it, Tobe may have had all those tests, Ruth. We were talking about the, the, the Marines, but it may not have showed up anything. Exactly. It, exactly. So it is hard to understand. But the more information that we have about these things and why they occur and how they occur, you know, um, we're going to be able to maybe prevent them. I mean, yeah. you're doing amazing stuff at the British Heart Foundation with what are they called when you have like a little defibrillator in, inserted into your ICDs. Heart? Right, exactly. So obviously that's not the case for someone like Tobe, but it's amazing, like, you know, the amount of lives you're saving where people can get screened and they do have something revealed and you can insert an ICD and they can maybe not exercise to extreme, but they can get on and live their lives. And uh, that's why the British Heart Foundation and Cry, and I know there's SADS and other charities, are are vital. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to all those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now, back to the conversation. And t- talking about Elijah Ben, you, you've obviously met him. And are you, how involved are you w- with his sort of research? Are you, are you working, is it fair to say you're working with him or? Not, no, well, I, uh, Elijah very kindly, um, through our lovely um, Katie cardiac nurse on his team, she telephoned me last September and told me about the live and ticking events that you do and that mm-hmm. Elijah was doing a presentation about his latest research and also explaining what is, you know, sudden rhythmic death syndrome. 
and that often in these sessions you know it's 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 good to have a somebody who can speak from a personal point of view and and Elijah asked if I would do that and of course I said yes so I was just the kind of case study of you know somebody who's who's child passed in this way so I knew I met Elijah um, because he was the consultant that um, worked with Johnny and I when we went through this through through cry for all our tests and then of course after that when we wanted to make the film I went to Elijah and and and, and said would you mind you know being a contributor in our film and like me of course any and all opportunities to talk about the work talk about what he's doing and to shine yeah. a light on it so I'm not you know, doing anything on an ongoing basis, but I am absolutely always open to supporting uh, yeah. what he's doing in any way I can. So, so let's talk a little bit about that documentary, which I've watched a couple of times now, and obviously incredibly hard to watch, but so, so powerful. Can, can you tell us a bit about it? And interestingly, you chose not to make a film about Toby, but mm. to, to, to focus on another young person. So can you, can you explain mm. briefly about the documentary and, and, and why you felt that you wanted to, to, to feature somebody else? Yes, of course. Well, in the months, weeks and months after Tobe's death, as we are absorbing it and understanding as the weeks after the autopsy and the post-mortem and kind of just educating ourselves through the process we were going through with crying the tests, we would just absolutely... I mean, I consider myself to be kind of, you know, I, I like to keep up with things, but I'd never heard of it, Ruth. And mm -hmm. I just thought, well, if I've never heard of it, there must be millions of other people who haven't heard of it. So we were just chatting one night, my husband and I, and we said, we need to make a film about this. And we decided to pitch it to BBC Three, to a, a really great commissioning editor there. And Stuart, my husband, kind of wrote a one-pager about what we thought this film could be. And she responded immediately, just saying this is really important and, and yes, come in and talk about it. BBC Three, Ruth, because it's the bullseye kind of demographic for that exactly. 16 yeah. to 34 age group. And um, why we didn't focus on Toby is because kind of ethically, we're making this film as a production company and it just wouldn't be right. For, you know, if we were making a film about Toby, I would have had to put Johnny and myself in yes. the film. Yeah. And that just would have been completely uh, impossible. I wouldn't have wanted to put Johnny through that. No. Um, and also the, the BBC, just ethically, it's not right. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching that as a programme maker and, and a producer. So there, there are all sorts of difficulties with, with that um, kind of. So that was never on the table. But we were also wanting to kind of find a family who was in the early stages as, as we were and Johnny was, but who hadn't been afforded the opportunities, for want of a better word, that our family were. Mm -hmm. um, and Patrick and his family had lost Lauren. Lauren, as you know, in her sleep. And they were left kind of not not knowing and they hadn't gone through that pathway so we we had approached Elijah and the team well firstly I I had um the first call we made was to Stephen Cox and we had a meeting with him and he was 
wonderful. And I spoke to Alison and they were incredibly helpful. And who is Stephen? Sorry. He, he's, he runs um, Cardiac Risk in the Young. Okay. He's Alison. Yes. And once we knew that Cry and that team were, you know, open to making the film, we had a producer, Lindsay Konieski, and she found Patrick. She did an amazing job of the research and she worked with Patrick and his family. And they, you know, for the same reasons that, that we wanted to make the film, also wanted to make it and, and also wanted to get some answers about Lauren. Mm-hmm. So we then just set about it. Shining a light on what is sudden arrhythmic death syndrome, but also how it affects people and hopefully to give people information about, you know, pathways that are open to them. And Lauren, Patrick's sister, who tragically died from SADS, how old was she, Sam? Um, she, was the, she was 18, Lauren, 18. when she died. Wow. Yeah. And I guess making this documentary must have been a double-edged sword because it must have been terribly hard for you because it brought back, you know, the circumstances around Toby's death. But as you say, also, you felt, I, I guess it was, it's part of his legacy and provide, you know, raising awareness and helping ensure people are educated and, and hopefully. I love it. Yeah. I love it that you, you, you mentioned that it's part of his legacy. Because, yeah, well, it is. Uh, and I love that because that's what, you know, Stuart, my husband and, and, and my son, Johnny, you know, we feel like it's not for nothing. You know, yes. Johnny, my son, always says, oh, Mama, you know, Tobe would be proud of you. And I, I love hearing him say that. I, I was very aware when we were making the film that it was hard for Johnny. Yeah. And I wanted to tell him about this, that and the other. And he just wasn't in the space to kind of be wanting to discuss it. But at the same time, I knew I had his full support and approval. And and he is incredibly proud of us for making that film and for talking about Tobe and, and getting it out there. And 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 he, he loves the fact that I'm speaking to you today. And it is important. It's hard but it is also, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but it does feel like it, 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 it's, it's such a kind of ongoing process and it yeah. changes all the time, Ruth. Yeah, but yeah. It does feel like you're doing something constructive. Yes, yeah. And, and, and keep it, you know, it, it definitely is Toby's legacy because it's keeping, you know, it, it's keeping him alive in some way and that's very important. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really important. And, and I'm glad you think that because I certainly look at it in that way. And, and it helps me. It helps me a lot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after speaking to that family and making the documentary, did you want to or feel the need to sort of talk to or reach out to other families who'd been through the same thing? I've had a few... I've corresponded with a few people who've mm. reached out to me mm. who I've known kind of you know, a friend of mine who's a producer, she said, oh, could so-and-so write to you because this has has happened to, to his son. So there has been a, a little bit of that. I think that sibling grief, so notwithstanding what they've died from, I think that sibling grief is one of the hardest, hardest things. And, you know, I look at Johnny and as a mother... You know, as a as a parent, you think as your children grow up, there are, you know, 90% of things in life you can kind of work out with them. You know, if they have troubles, if they have problems, you can help solve them and you can make them feel better. You know, even if they're big problems, you know, most things are solvable. When you look at your child, 
who is bereft, but it's it's his relationship, his unique relationship with his big brother, and they were so 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 close. It's the hardest thing to see. And Gabby, I don't know whether it was through you guys, but she 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 talked about it again last week in the in the newspaper, and she was talking about this you know sibling grief. So. I think so many related things come out of yes, it. Yes, yeah. And so, and this again, you know, back to the work that you do at the British Heart Foundation, I think it's not only the research into all these, you know, cardiac diseases and, and the causes of death, but it, it is the the, the support um, and and the compassion that you, you give to families. Oh, thank uh, which you. Is, which is really, really um fantastic well that's why we exist for people like you so um that's you know that's that's good to hear I mean what would a better scientific understanding of of SADS mean to you now sort of going forwards how how important is it to you to know that this research is being done well it's not I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of for me it's it's not a I suppose the better scientific understanding is also comes hand in hand with what I wish for it to be just raising awareness. Yes. That yes. This is, you know, that in that age group after teenage suicide and road traffic accidents, this is one of the highest causes of death. Yeah. You know, and so to me, it's crazy that, that people don't know about this and that they cannot have heart screening regularly. So, okay, the scientific awareness. If if I know what I know now about sudden arrhythmic death syndrome, I would definitely elect to have had Toby screened, even though I know that if he had an arrhythmia, it might not be found. I would take my choice and say, well, at least I'm going to you know, do everything I can, because I know that even though my son is presenting as a perfectly healthy young man, he could have this hidden killer inside him. Yeah. And it's really hard because you don't want to scare people. But I do say to all my girlfriends, if I anyone who has a teenager, I, I, would, I would just say, you know, get them get their heart screened if they're about to embark on, you know, kind of strenuous physical activity. And I'm working hard with a group of people to see if we can start some kind of screening program because of course everything is about cost isn't it I also feel and I know this is probably naive because one of the things that I say to my husband the whole time is what if I was there what if there was a defibrillator what if you know he he, he'd kind of you know collapsed and I gave him you know the kiss of life and I do recognize that you know to a professional footballer who drops dead for a few minutes on a football pitch does have that kind of outside chance of being saved because you've got unbelievable medics, teams, professionals there that can try. But for the ordinary person, that probably is not going to save someone like Tobe. But I still think that, you know, the whole piece on defibrillators, on, you know, just awareness that people in schools, teenagers generally, I don't understand why the government, and why it is not on the agenda to have all secondary school age children to have their heart screened, mm-hmm. you know, because I just think every parent in the land would want that, particularly teenagers who are engaging in, you know, athletics or, you know, cardio sports. And just just so that, you know, if there was more awareness at government level, 
so that it's just something that every parent knows you know you, your child could be susceptible to this kind of thing in the same way they could be susceptible to to, to measles so you, you you decide whether you want to have an injection you decide if you want to have a have a, a, a screening but you could only make that decision if you know the thing exists in the first place yeah I mean in a way and I know it's a completely different thing but there was a time not so long ago in this country where women were going to prison because they had apparently you know murdered their babies we now know that that is you know cot death syndrome and okay. every single person in this country most people most normal people if you walk down the street and said do you know what you know cot death syndrome is they'd probably say yeah mm-hmm. if you walk down the street and said do you know what sudden arrhythmic death syndrome is they wouldn't my question is why and why yeah. haven't we got that piece right why isn't there you know a national awareness that this is a very very dangerous thing that that kills a lot of young people every single day of the week yeah. you know and back to mary shepherd in our film and again ruth sorry i i don't know how many hearts she's getting a week but she mm-hmm. believes the true number is many 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 more but because of the way the deaths are recorded and calculated and this goes back into that wonderful piece that you are funding, yeah. this kind of, you know, joining up with the coroner and the the doctors will hopefully push that forward and we'll begin to see the true number and then people will make, um, sit up and, 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 and yeah. pay more attention to it. Yeah, you've explained that beautifully. Um, but, it, you know, in a sentence, Sam, why is do you think it's important to you and your family and also for other people to support BHF research is it just a case of you know sadly it could happen to them you know they're sitting listening to this and we don't want to scare people but you know it happens precisely that um, yeah. and I and you're right Ruth it, 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 we don't want to scare people but it does happen it yeah. happens every single day of the week yeah. every single day of the week to really really fit healthy beautiful young middle-aged whatever people living their lives often as in Tove's case without any warning yeah you know um cardiac risk in the young produce a a booklet I think you guys do the similar you do you do the same so Mm -hmm. you you often highlight donations and you show beautiful pictures of people who've passed and every single time I look at these things I just think Oh, there are there are so many of them, Ruth. Mm-hmm. So many of them, and so I. Sorry, it's not a sentence, but yes, I oh, think that sorry. the work that the British Heart Foundation is doing is vital not only to families like mine, but to everybody who is alive and has a heart beating in their body because yeah. we ain't going to be here without it. And it does. Yeah. <laughs> what I now understand is that we are all very, very susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, you you touched on this, but what, what do you think Toby would make of what you're doing? And, you know, you, you're sharing your story with us and you're sharing it here now, which is ridiculously brave. What, what do you think Toby would say to you? He'd be, he'd love it. He'd be <laughs> chuffed. He'd say, Mama, he'd, he'd, he'd say, Mama, I'm really proud of you. I'm really glad you're doing this. And I know that's what he thinks. And I know this sounds crazy, but I do. I am quite sure that wherever he is, whatever he's doing, he's 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 grateful that he, through me, can tell this story, and hopefully, you know, we always said with the film, and I'm sure 
this is a, a motivator for you every single day. You know, if if one life could be saved from watching that film, from telling Tobe's story, then that's a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, that's a very poignant note to end on. And I just want to thank you for for talking to me today and, and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Sam. Well, thank you so much, Ruth, for inviting me to. It's um I know it sounds strange, but it is an honour. I feel I feel privileged to be able to and on behalf of Tobe and Johnny and 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 I hope it's helpful and I'm sorry I speak too much. <laughs> <laughs> well the the privilege is ours. If you've got any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and want to talk with a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash hearthelpline. You'll find all the contact options there. You'll also find useful information in the episode notes and on our website bhf.org.uk. And if you've got your own heart story or have any thoughts on this episode, get in touch with us by emailing theticketapes at bhf.org.uk.